Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello and welcome back to the show. I am Matt, the Fixer Frederick. And I am Noel. Mi nombre is Noel Brown. Uh, and they call me Ben. I guess I knew your name too, huh? Uh, uh, of all the people, I thought you'd be like on the fly with it. Yeah. Well, ben, Benny Two Hands. Ben Knee uh, Two Hands. Ben Knee Two Hands. Oh, wow. Uh, Fully. Uh, or my alter ego, of course, Max Powers, astronaut with a secret. Uh, most importantly, folks, you are here. Uh, give us your nickname suggestions if you have some stuff for Matt and Noel and I. Uh, this is, of course, stuff they don't want you to know. And today we're beginning the first of a two-part series on uh, on something that 
requires a disclaimer. And many of you have written to us on Facebook, on Twitter, and email, um, strange messages scrawled in backwards print on mirrors in the dark, uh, saying that you want, uh, you want us and your fellow listeners to explore the conspiracy theories surrounding Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. So I was, I think, um, initially pretty hesitant to do this because people can get, uh, people, people can get so wrapped up in stuff and not look at it in a, in a more objective way. And I say that because I have been one of those people in the past. So luckily, Noel, Matt, you guys who are much more level headed than I am, um, you know, uh, let me put in this disclaimer, which I'm going to read through quickly. And if you can help me out before I, before I do anything crazy. Uh, so first politics, yes, they are a passionate, touchy thing. And in the United States, the unfortunate truth is that most citizens are what are known as low information voters, meaning like somebody might say, Oh man, my dad was a Democrat. His dad was a Democrat. By golly, I'm a Democrat. No matter what. Or just, you know, I like the cut of that guy's jib mm-hmm. and his suit. He's but, a guy but, you could sit down and have a beer with. Yeah, but ultimately it feels like a team sport, right? I mean, I'm on this team. I don't know. That That's what I generally have seen in my family. Like a, a the dichotomy of, like, well, I'm going to stick with my team the same way uh, I don't want those other guys to win. Yeah. It's more like being in a really big cult. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, when are we gonna start? Let's not offend anybody before we get through the disclaimer though. So let's, let's soldier on. Sure, sure. So this creates, uh, a a situation in which often actual policy, what the people in a power will actually do, takes a backseat to the spectacle reporting of it. You know, Mm -hmm. like the gaffes that people make or the, um, the things they wear versus the stuff they think. And, Regardless of someone's political affiliation, whether you are inside or outside of the United States, you've probably noticed, especially in the primaries, that a lot of the conversation on the Republican Democratic side was not about policy. It was a lot of like, well, let me tell you about my family relatives. And I'm just a good old slice of honest America. And well, yeah, and then we get into the. The first two presidential debates, the third one, which is happening tonight. And again, policy discussion seems to be non-existent or at least a little blip on the radar of what gets discussed uh, when these when the politicians are actually speaking. And we've got our work cut out for us today because both candidates, as we said, are surrounded by conspiracy theories. And in this episode, we're starting out with the candidate who has also propagated some theories himself, and that is Donald Trump. Of course, we're not here to tell you how to vote if you're voting. We're also not here to do some kind of Fox News, MSNBC thing with, you know, um, pushing an agenda on you. This is a collection of the publicly available facts, arguments, and claims made by, for, and against Mr. Donald Trump. And yes, yes, next week we will be back with the exact same sort of episode centered on the Hillary Clinton campaign. We push our agendas exclusively with subliminal messages and mind control rays. Right, as required by our sponsor, Illumination Global Unlimited. Yep. Moving on, uh, so here we go. Let's start with the facts. 
Strap in. It's going to be a doozy. <laughs> so who is Donald Trump? Can you guys tell me a little bit about him? Well, Donald J. Trump was born in 1946, the year of our Lord, in Queens, New York, the son of a self-made real estate mogul by the name of Fred Trump. Uh, he got his start in the family business, which was originally known as Elizabeth Trump and Son. Um, for a fun fact, Trump's uncle, Dr. John G. Trump, uh, was an MIT professor. This is a fact that Trump, uh, you know, mentions on the campaign trail occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he comes from smart stock. Um, and the FBI once asked him to examine Nikolai Tesla's papers when Tesla died in 1943. Which we have an episode on because those papers were confiscated for a time after uh, Tesla expired. In abject poverty, by the way, in love with a bird. That is all true. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but yeah, to, to quickly get back to the Donald himself, uh, he was working with his father's company uh, before he graduated college. And his first project was a building called the Swifton Village, a foreclosed apartment complex in Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. Yes. That, uh, building there in Cincinnati. And it was a successful, uh, it was a successful endeavor. His father, Fred, had purchased it for uh, about 5.7 million in 1962 dollars. Uh, they invested an additional 500,000 in it and they turned it, its occupancy rate into a hundred percent from 34%. So it was successful. He um, was given control of that company in 71, and he changed the name to the Trump Organization and then began over the next few decades building the brand, right? This guy Mm -hmm. was building brands before a lot of people realized that. You know, we live in 2016 now, Snapchat, social media, everybody's a, a brand, right? But this guy was one of the originators of this sort of promotion, or at least one of the most successful. And a lot of what Trump attributes his wealth to um, the specific number, which is still not entirely clear, right. is that brand. Um, and how, you know, according to Mr. Trump and his family, uh, when that brand is attached to something, it instantly is more valuable or has the potential to earn more. It is a Midas of, of names. Yeah, I like that you say that. A Midas of marketing and with many different business endeavors. I mean, we can just off the top of our heads name various things that have been associated. I mean, yeah, I'll go first. Hotels. Casinos. Stakes. <laughs> a uh, university for a time. A board game. Oh, yeah. An airline. A, an, an airline. Yeah. Man. Vodka. Vodka as well. Wow. Are there casinos, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, so these, and that's just a small list. So when you are that publicly prominent and successful, what's, what's next? You know, if you have a bunch of money, if you've had a sense of business experience, uh, he decided to run for office, to run for the highest office in the land in this country, which is commander in chief. The U.S. presidency. I remember hearing an early, early quote from him discussing how, you know, you can I've been paying off politicians all my career. And, you know, now I'm going to I'm going to be in control and you can't pay me off because I'm already a billionaire. Yeah, that's one of the arguments. And then also 
he, uh, I don't know how many people know this. Uh, any Trump supporters in the audience are probably already aware of this. His current campaign for presidency is not his first time. In the year 2000, he briefly pursued nomination for uh, the Reform Party. And historically, third parties don't have much of a shot here in this country. So let's talk a little bit about um, how Trump's political star began to rise within the Republican Party, shall we say. Um, I think everyone remembers all the hubbub surrounding the Tea Partiers. Um, Trump kind of became a figurehead within that community. And Ben, give us a quick rundown of what the Tea Party was all about. So the Tea Party was – the and the Tea Party is still active uh, – was uh, – Fighting from their perspective. Seems like it's become more of the establishment, the Republican, mm-hmm. you know, establishment now. But when, when, when they were, was- they were protesting the, uh, federal government and they had, um, conservative positions. Uh, they wanted a reduction in the debt and the federal deficit, uh, also wanted lower taxes. So you could say, uh, oh, and they were against the, um, the healthcare movements of the time, which became what is often by its opponents called Obamacare, often called, um, universal healthcare by the, uh, by its supporters, but I don't think it's quite universal healthcare. Well, it's not, but the, um, it's sort of a mixture of some thoughts from libertarian ends of the spectrum and populist and conservative, uh, activism. So slightly over 10% of uh, U.S. citizens identify as Tea Party. So this is not a small amount of people. Mm-mm. But Donald Trump became sort of attached with that. And what's interesting is the the populist rise, which we will talk about later on in the show, uh, the populist rise has created a situation where arguably the party insiders and the party officials of the Republican side are not representing the interest of the Republican voters, many of whom do support this candidate. But a lot of the insiders, you know, the governors, the the Congress folks and stuff, uh, don't support him. Hence the the Tea Party name referencing the Boston Tea Party where they were protesting or the colonists were mm-hmm. protesting the fact that they were being taxed by their British overlords. Um, and it was not benefiting them in any way. They were basically shipping their money overseas and it was not doing them any favors. So I think the idea there is, you know, the federal government is not here for us. We need to protest it and make it more about what the actual people need. Right. That is the, you know, on paper, that is what the idea is. And similar to the, um, Occupy protest, uh, from recent history, the Tea Party movement doesn't have a central leader. Uh, so a lot of the po- uh, positions of various state level organizations are, are going to emphasize different things. It's not a monolithic thing, but it did become attached and associated with Donald Trump in the public eye because of the uh, allegations he made or questions he had uh, regarding the background of Barack Obama. Because that goes well back even into Barack Obama's first term, right? Like we're talking 2010, 2009. I remember seeing billboards up about the birth certificates in rural Georgia mm-hmm. way back then. Uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right, Matt. I'm, I'm mistaken. It was definitely during his first term. It was around 08. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so Trump was the guy who kind of became this figurehead of this birther notion that Barack Obama 
was not legit legitimate president because of his place of birth, his origins mm. were not in this country. Um, he posited that Obama was not, in fact, born in the United States mm. and ultimately compelling Barack Obama to release a birth certificate that showed that he was, in fact, born in Hawaii. But there's a lot to being made of this birther idea, mm. and Trump gained a lot of uh, prominence right. because of that. And at this point, it's it's interesting to explore his policy history, because when you hear people running for almost any political office, people will always talk about the record, right? Most of the presidential candidates that you'll see in our lifetimes have uh, some sort of legislative experience as, you know, a governor or uh, a senator of some sort uh, or work in Congress. However, um, Donald Trump is a little bit different because he's basing his experience on the business world rather than the, the world of uh, civil service. And this has led his opponents, uh, both within and without the um, GOP, to to say that he is not entirely trustworthy. They point out that his positions have changed over time, specifically stuff like abortion, gun control, health care. Um, and you can you can see his policy issues. This is something I think everybody should do if you are going to vote uh, and you want to skip the bread and circuses of talking points bandied about in what purports to be a policy discussion called the debate. What you can do very simply is you can go to a search engine and just type in the name and type in the policies, just the word policies, and you'll get uh, a fact sheet that has direct quotes on record from either the Clinton campaign or the Trump campaign saying what what they stand for and whether that has changed over time. And a lot of times you'll get to see if they've ever hold, held an office, say a mm -hmm. congressional office, you can see exactly what they voted for in the past, yeah. what they voted against. Um, it's much, like you said, been much better than listening to all the talk <laughs> around a subject. So other opponents say it's weird that he has been a large supporter of democratic endeavors in the past. In his recent history, though, like Noel said, when he was in the public eye and when he decided to pursue the Republican nomination, a lot of Republicans thought it was sort of a novelty. And there were so many candidates and he shot to the front. Yeah, I remember. Quickly. Do you guys remember when The Daily Show first started covering it back when Jon Stewart was still there? I don't know if you guys watched The Daily Show at all. Uh, or you listening out there, but it was just a, it was taken as this big joke in every news outlet that it was just, Oh, we'll ignore him or leave him alone. But everybody talked about ignoring him. Oh, it was for a while until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and it is now the primary front runner. So the odds are most people who vote on November 8th, 2016 are going to vote for either him or uh, his primary rival, uh, Hillary Clinton. At this point, we see that there there are questions. Uh, I do think everybody should check out the policies of whatever candidate you're going to vote for or against. Uh, recent history, the big things he has are um, planning to renegotiate trade deals. This is big on that aspect of foreign policy. Building a physical wall to separate Mexico and the, and thereby Central and South America from the United States. Uh, the information on that has changed or evolved as policy wonks like to say. Bringing back law and order 
to all of the land. I know that's one of his big policy stances. Right. A lot of, a uh, lot of support from, uh, fraternal organization and police, uh, outfits. But here's the thing. Both Donald Trump supporters and Donald Trump opponents believe that there is more to the story, that there is something the mainstream media doesn't want you to know. And we'll hop right into that after a quick sponsor break. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then... You found yourself subscribed. Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Here's where it gets crazy. So there are so many 
um, conspiracy theories, uh, fringe theories, as some of our coworkers like to call them, uh, rumors, scuttlebutt, allegations, claims, both about Donald Trump, against him, for him, and in some cases, by the man himself. So uh, we talked about this previously in our Political Conspiracies 2016 episode. The biggest one out there, the one that you have written to us the most about, is the idea that Donald Trump is a false flag candidate. Because we talked about him running for uh, office, mm-hmm. but we didn't say the entire story. If you missed our previous episode, we do recommend you check it out. Probably needs an update. Topical stuff always will. Uh, a few weeks before he announces his candidacy, he has an off-the-record phone call with former president, Mr. Bill Clinton, Mr. Bill Clinton, Mr. Bill Mint Julep Clinton. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so apparently, you know, they, they both maintain that they forged no conspiratorial alliance or whatever. But a lot of people now think that Donald Trump was running without the intention to become president, that he was running to secure a Clinton nomination. And more and more people argue that that is the case. Now, based on recent stuff, it doesn't seem like like it seems like he does want to be president, right? It, it appears that he does. And if he doesn't want to be president, he's certainly doing a good job of acting like it. So he's a great actor if if he is uh, a false flag candidate. I would say being on the phone like that with someone who is your potential opponent's spouse in that way, like right before – you know, making a decision like that or going out to to run a race like that, it seems a little fishy no matter how you look at it. I'll tell you guys, you know, I picture the phone call going a little something like this. Yeah, Don, just go for it, man. You know, you only live once, right? Yeah, it's going to be huge, huge. It's going to be the best. Uh-huh, sure. Best campaign. Yeah. You best, remember, uh, do you remember blockbusters? Uh, uh, Circuit City? <laughs> Circuit, it, yes, yes. Huge, fantastic, unbelievable. Thank you. Bill? Bill? Are you talking to Donald Trump again? Bill? Get off the phone, Bill! Oh, I'm going to let you go. Thank you. All right, all right, all right. Oh, gosh. Well, we solved the case, guys. Yeah, I, think, I think it's fine. I think they're just pals who hang around and allegedly assault women sometimes. It's called locker room talk. First okay, all okay, right. okay. And second of all... um. I have a theory just about this whole rigmarole here. I think what is more likely than Bill Clinton urged Donald Trump in a phone call is that this is the only basis for this false flag discussion Uh, that I'm aware of. This is that's the primary basis. The other the other thing people presented as evidence would be his past associations with Clinton foundations. Yeah, there's a lot of pictures of them looking real cozy at uh, Trump's wedding. Mm -hmm. They're all, you know, locking arms. You know, it looks like a family photo. Uh But here's my thing. I think what's more likely is that Trump. Knowing how much earned media he would get, how much, you know, free advertising for his brand he would get mm-hmm. just by launching this campaign did it being relatively sure that he was not going to get the nomination that he was just kind of going to bank on the book deals and all yeah. of the renewed interest in the trump brand that he would get from being in the public eye in this way maybe get some sort of uh consulting job or some cushy something or other to add to his or millions. his own television channel well that we'll <laughs> talk about that a little more later. but then there came a time where oh crap this is really happening 
you know, I wasn't expecting this. And the tide turned, and now, you know, homie's got the nomination. And he's got to roll with it, doesn't he? I feel like South Park's doing a great job again this season where they're hitting that nail on the head. It's true. And it's like, you know, a lot of people say, God, could he be, could he do anything else to torpedo his candidacy even more? It's like he can say anything. He even said himself, I could walk out into, you know, on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone dead and I'd still get the votes. Well, That's that a, yeah. brings us to uh, our second point, perhaps, right? Right. So in that case, then another, another edge to that theory would be the idea that originally he wasn't planning to do this and then decided and then either went rogue or said, I have a chance. I'm going to go for it. And then you'll hear stuff. You'll, you'll hear people say or allege that he actually does not want to be president. Some of these sources I would discount because one of them is, uh, documentary and Michael Moore, who obviously has, uh, has a bias. Uh, he, have you heard about his secret film he's been working on that's about to come out? What's it called? It's called Michael Moore in Trumpland. Yeah, I heard what? about it. I think it did come out. Well, yeah, he's been, he'd been working on it more or less in secret, I think, based yeah. on a one-man show that he was going to do in Ohio, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he did a uh, last-minute screening of it at the IFC Center in New York, I want to say yesterday. And now it's, uh, I think, playing in L.A., and it's going to be available on iTunes um, as a download before the election. I wonder so, what the reviews are. I, I, not not clear yet. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I, you know, I haven't seen a Michael Moore film in quite a while. I was really a pretty big fan of Bowling for Columbine. Uh-huh. And I thought Fahrenheit 9-11 was a little divisive, but it was it was interesting. He definitely has a perspective, for let's sure. put it that way. Yeah. And uh, he certainly made documentaries entertaining not not like <laughs> as a whole genre but he definitely kind of spearheaded this sort of comical yet topical and pretty mm-hmm. deep deep diving documentary style um and i think uh, i think it's interesting stuff so we'll have to see what that's all about but yeah. where are we at now guys so w- another thing that's a it's a good point here that a lot of people forget yes i know that if you are more on the conservative side it's very easy to dismiss someone who's clearly as biased as Michael Moore. However, he is not the only one alleging this. It's not just their opponents. Uh, the former communications director of the Make America Great Again Political Action Committee, or PAC, a lady named Stephanie Sigelski, definitely a campaign insider. She also says that uh, Trump didn't want to be president. She didn't believe he actually did. Now, you know, at this point, we're seeing two people's opinions, but that's one of the conspiracy theories about Donald Trump. Uh, there's the other issue, which is the tax avoidance. Yeah, tax avoidance seems to be a big deal. It came up heavily in the first debate, and then it continued on throughout um, because a lot of the candidates on both sides during the primaries did release their tax returns. And that's because this is just kind of the thing you do as you get closer and closer to the general election. It's referred to as a tradition. Uh, yes. Uh, since Richard Nixon, and I believe that was around, what was that, 69, 70, when Richard Nixon was like trying to withhold his taxes. Mm. But, uh, like they had to, they came out eventually over the course of the years. And that's where you get that famous line, I'm not a crook. But it's not a, it's not a law, right? No, no, it's not a law. It's just one of those tactics to show your own transparency. And when it's you don't a show of good faith, let's yeah, say. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, but the, 
the the big deal is that Trump has decidedly said no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, he's given a couple excuses. The main one is that he's under audit. And as soon as the audit is finished, then he will release those tax returns. Uh, I believe he also said something about uh, the Hillary Clinton email thing as a negotiation yes. in the first debate. The thing about that, though, is early on in the nomination process, he said that if he were to be nominated, he would follow that tradition and release mm-hmm. his taxes. And then he kind of backpedaled on that mm-hmm. and turned it into sort of a bargaining chip. I see. Uh, and the thing is, you know, the New York Times released a portion of a tax return of his that showed that he had, in fact, not paid taxes. I believe it was uh, around in 18 years because of a reported loss of close to a billion dollars. So, yeah, according to the New York Times uh, and some records that they obtained, he declared a 916 million net operating loss. That's important there, net operating loss in his 1995 tax returns. Um, and that led me, like probably like you, what the heck is a net operating loss? Well, it's uh, it's where the allowable tax deductions, if you're a company, are greater than the taxable income, the money that you had coming in. Uh, and when that occurs, then you can actually offset the amount of taxes you have to pay in the future because of all of this money that you owe in the past. So this is legal. This is a completely legal thing that happens. Um, I guess it's a loophole in a way if you're manipulating how stuff is reported or if, uh, let's say, your income is deferred for a couple of years so you have a larger loss in one year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have just a quick – I know that sounds like a bunch of blah, blah, blah financial talk. I have a quick example, if you guys don't mind, just so we can better understand it. Sure. Take it away. Let's say there are two taxpayers. One is Ben. The other one is Noel. In year one, Ben loses $100,000. What the hell, man? I hate this example. What are you going to do, man? It's the housing crisis. Come on. In year two, however, Ben makes $200,000 because of the housing crisis. Okay. See, the problem can be the solution sometimes. All right. How so? (laughs) Well, we don't have to get into how you manipulated the housing market, but you did a great job. Uh, So net of $100,000. Okay. Now we also have Noel over here. He makes $50,000 a year as the manager at a combination Circuit City Blockbuster. Um, now, <laughs> so that first year, $50,000. In year two, Noel makes that same $50,000 due to a lack of upward mobility at the combination Circuit City Blockbuster. Um, so sorry, but yeah, net $100,000 also for Noel. So right, two taxpayers, $100,000 that you've made in two years. So at the end of this two-year period, both Ben and Noel have the same net income of $100,000. However, without the use of a net operating loss or this uh, this law, this rule, Ben would have to pay an additional $100,000 more of income tax than Noel because he made that $200,000 at once. Uh, the loss prevention allows Ben to apply that negative $100,000 from the first year on to that second year. So it just evens things out. So both of these taxpayers in this example would be paying the same amount of tax. Okay. I think I, I, I think I understand. So it sounds like you're saying this kind of law exists for a reason. Yeah. And, and usually it's for big companies are dealing with that because sometimes the company's going to have to take a loss. Right. Uh, okay. Like a huge loss. An and operating loss. Exactly. So, all right. But still. 
being, <laughs> being completely objective, uh, while it is not a law to turn, to make your tax information public when running for U.S. president, uh, it is an expectation, which means it could have a negative impact on voting. Right. Sure. And it's also not to say that we haven't seen candidates who were wildly successful business people. Mitt Romney, for example. That's a good point. Yeah. And also one last thing with the taxes. It also presents some other issues where there there have been allegations of maybe foreign involvement, where what kind of business dealings does Donald Trump have with foreign governments, mm. um, especially then when you look at uh, his foundation and you apply the same thing to Hillary Clinton and the, the Clinton Foundation and muddy the waters start getting muddy. Right, especially with uh, State Department activities. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me, though, about this particular aspect is that even though the Times released these pages showing, you know, that he paid zero tax because of this giant loss, mm-hmm. whatever is actually in the tax returns, the, all of them, must be worse than that. Otherwise, why wouldn't they have released them to show that this was, this was all there was? Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question too. Um, we, we do know that a lot of this is based on public perception. And currently, as we record this, you know, I, I, I have to say, uh, listeners, it's, it's difficult for us to parse some of this because Things will change so quickly. We are a few days away from the future of this country for the next four years. I will also go ahead and point out that the power of the presidency is much less than most Americans imagine. Uh, the, if you want to affect change that you would like to see, you have to act at a local level with state representatives, with communities. They are going to be wielding, wielding a lot of power. Mm-hmm. But, Preach. Yeah, but the presidency is cl- like clearly important. You know? Sure. And that's why people are scrutinizing this stuff. That's why you don't have the same level of expectation of privacy as you would if you were just a private citizen, right? Uh, if you're the president of a bank, you have uh, more privacy than you do if you're president of the U.S. That's just the way the world works yeah, now. a little bit. And yet, strangely, Trump doesn't seem to understand that concept, which I think is fascinating because he's been an entertainer, quote unquote, you know, for a long time, made a lot of money um, hosting The Apprentice, which is ultimately a reality show kind of game show. Mm-hmm. I don't know, hybrid, I guess. And um, but yet, you know, when people start revealing things or digging into his personal business as he's running for office, he seems shocked. And it's sort of like, why, why me? You know, why, why are you being mean to me? Why are people mm-hmm. saying these mean things about me? It's as though he didn't understand after years and years in the public eye that running for office would, would do that, would and, create that yeah. kind of situation. And elections are the home of dirty tricks. And mm-hmm. it's also as though his camp spent zero time vetting him themselves. That is a thing that you do, right? If you're running for office, you want to know everything that your opponent could theoretically dig up on you yourself before they dig it up. Right. Like in House of Cards or other political thrillers where people practice how they will respond to hypothetical situations or to what they already know will be controversial points. And it almost feels with Trump every time something has come to light, 
a lot of times even something like from a Howard Stern interview that's totally out there for anyone to grab, you know, mm. uh, it's almost as though he's surprised that people have found these things. I mean, you know, again, mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting. It sort of shows maybe a lack of organization or a lack of forethought in the way this campaign was launched. And to me calls into question how far he really thought initially that he was going to go. It's interesting. Yeah. Like, did he did again, it goes back to motivation and motivation is so difficult to discern. Uh, did he genuinely expect to get this far? I guess is a question. A lot of people are asking. So what, while we're on the money, what, what's another conspiracy theory about him? Well, there's one that is, I guess, a little less of a conspiracy theory, more of a conspiracy fact in a way, uh, and that's that Donald Trump was using uh, charity money, money from the Trump Foundation for his own purposes and also to fund his his campaign, at least early on in the campaign, um, even to the point where the New York Attorney General Eric T. Schneiderman uh, sent a notice of violation to the Trump Foundation on the 30th of September, uh, which was requiring the foundation to submit financial documents within 15 days or, quote, be deemed to be a continuing fraud upon the people of the state of New York. And before, leading up to them producing said documents, they were ordered to cease and desist all yes. activities, all fundraising in, in New, New York. York State. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah, this is, this is interesting too. And the, uh, candidate has not really made any secret of using the system as a business person to the maximize his profits or, or maximize his position or advantage. As a matter of fact, that was one of the central tenets he, uh, proposed for, uh, his ability to fix the system, I believe is that I know how the system works. Therefore, I am the most qualified to fix it, which reminds me of our earlier conversation about the um, who is on the Federal Reserve Board, right? Often these are people with extensive banking experience. So are they the best or the worst people to fix a system? You it's know a lot what of I mean? what we also see with people that worked for big oil companies or the nuclear industry, mm-hmm. um, getting jobs on the Nuclear Regulatory Commission or yep. uh, the EPA. Or the FCC and uh, conglomerations for cable or ISP, right? Uh, so this is great. That's a great point. Something that we can establish clearly that may surprise the average the average person is that a lot of this is similar to wrestling, okay? And spoiler alert – Wrestling is not wrestling is often fake, at least the storylines. It is definitely they are definitely doing real moves up there. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these people are friends behind the scenes. And so a lot of the politicians who will spout vitriol at one another for the public's beguilement, amusement, uh, you know, they're going to they're going to send their kids to the same schools. They're going to be at the same uh, highfalutin meetings. They're going to play golf together, and they're going to be like, wow, man, you really really tried to rip me a new one on that one. And they'll be like, ha, ha, still oh. coming over for uh, billiards? Well, let's not forget <laughs> that, you know, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were once bitter rivals. Exactly. You yeah. know, just spouting all kinds of vitriol about each other's records and, and just, you know, calling into question each other's character and very, very public forums. I actually saw a video yesterday that Abe 
you know, Barack Obama on the campaign trail where he was talking about all the same things that Trump says about Hillary now, about how she's in the pocket of big business and big pharma and Wall Street and just, you know, laundry listing all of these problems with her character. And then cutting to now where he's basically saying, I want to pass the baton mm-hmm. to Hillary because she's mm-hmm. going to run with it and do a fabulous job. And you have to wonder what kind of backroom negotiation those two had or their camps had, right? Uh, or their interests had with them together in a room. And let's not let listeners forget that we are going to get way deep with Hillary as well. It's going to get ugly, yeah. In the coming weeks. I just don't want anybody to think that we're just picking on, you know, Trump. No, we're we're, plenty to say about both. Yeah, we're universally looking at uh, two of the most controversial presidential candidates in recent history. Uh, And in a time where, you know, there are so many things that are considered more popular than just Congress or the presidency. And they're like bad things. Have you ever checked out that list? I'm going to pull up that list. Yeah, that list is hilarious. Oh, sorry. Oh, all right. Here we go. There's a, a, just a few things that are more popular than uh, Congress, just for example. 39% of people surveyed uh, preferred Nickelback to Congress. Wow. Uh, because Congress got 32% of the vote. And people hate Nickelback. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a lot. 56% of Americans have a more favorable opinion of traffic jams than Congress. Uh, let's see. NFL replacements, lice. Uh, 44% of Americans have a more favorable opinion of Donald Trump than Congress. Uh, people like France more than Congress. People like cockroaches more than Congress. Wow. And this... This list goes, this list goes on. Uh, Brussels sprouts also made the cut. And this one I thought you would like, Noel. Carnies. What? People are like, you know what? I might not trust carnies, but I trust them more than I trust Congress. Which is weird because you can't really elect carnies. Anyhow, we're, we're reading this out just to show that they're, they're massive, massively unfavorable views, not just of the individual candidates in the current race for the presidency, but of the way the government is working in general, like your local representatives. And now we're approaching an historic moment because there's something, there's been some very interesting speculation from various media outlets like the Boston Globe, Vox, and New York Times uh, that we may run into a very, very strange situation when the election actually happens. Yeah. Well, what if whichever candidate loses just decides not to concede? Specifically, we're going to say Donald Trump here uh, because he doesn't believe that the results are accurate or correct or if they have been rigged in some way. Well, but but here's the thing. They these organizations are, are they really are speculating with this because Donald Trump has never come out and fully stated that he he won't concede if he loses. He has made some statements that are, you know, you could take maybe in that context, uh-huh. uh, but he's never said it. There's a there's a quote here from The New York Times Um says, Mr. Trump aiming to unnerve Miss Clinton even indicated that he was rethinking his statement at their first debate that he would absolutely support her if she won in November, saying, quote, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what happens. We're going to have to see. 
So, I mean, that right there, that quote is, it doesn't mean anything, right? Just saying we're going to have to see what happens over and over. You sure that wasn't a quote from the movie Taxi Driver? Hmm. But did that sound like I'm De Niro? We're going to have to see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nice, so co- nice country you got here. I don't know. It's a shame if something happened to it. Well, also, you know, you have to consider that if you're running for president, uh, when it's now it's like down to the wire, mm-hmm. you don't want to put something out in the ecosystem of ideas that acknowledges there's a possibility that you would lose. Right. It's a not a good position. I don't know why I got a little Italian there. It's a not a good position. <laughs> I, I would just say that we have seen this in our lifetimes where a, a candidate decided not to concede immediately. Uh, do you guys, you guys probably remember the Bush, George W. Bush and Al Gore in 2000 with the hanging chads and everything in Florida and all, all that stuff where it was so close, neither candidate would concede. So it continued and continued and continued along till you got to the other processes where it went to the Supreme Court. It went to uh, House of Representatives. So it's just, you know, we have another potential situation like that here. Um, and if one candidate just decides not to concede, then who knows what happens? We'll, we'll find out, right? We'll see. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. And now it's also time while we're waiting on the results there to move on to theories espoused by Donald Trump. But first, a word from our sponsor. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then... You found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. And we're back, and it's time to explore, I think, in detail, the stuff we alluded to earlier, the birther movement. So the concept is essentially, like you said, that President Barack Obama was born not in Hawaii, but in Kenya and was a secret Muslim. Mm -hmm. uh, there are statements regarding that where they were presented uh, somewhat as hearsay. Donald Trump in an earlier debate had said that he considered it a victory because he asked, he wanted to see this birth certificate and he did get the birth certificate. So he considers it a uh, good move, the right thing to do. Um, but that birth certificate, it wasn't the long form, was it guys? Huh? I'll, I'll read a quote that he told radio host Laura Ing Ingram in 2011. He said he cannot give a birth certificate, referring to uh, Barack Obama. He doesn't have a birth certificate, or if he does, there's something on that certificate that's very bad for him. Now, someone told me, and I have no idea whether this is bad for him or not, but perhaps it would be, that where it says religion, it might have Muslim. And if you're a Muslim, you don't change your religion, by the way. But somebody said maybe that's the reason he doesn't want to show it. I don't think so. I just don't think he has a birth certificate, and everybody has a birth certificate. So this, what he's what he's doing here is he he did acknowledge that people had the secret muslim thing but he said he doesn't personally believe in that uh but he is he is suggesting he's not outright saying it he's he's suggesting that there's something there and he wants to have proof so this is as noel pointed out one of the things that really launched him um because he was known and and lauded as a businessman before, but was always a controversial figure, right? People thought he was larger than life. Uh, people in other countries saw him as a stereotype of America, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so he had, uh, at different times, uh, he had gone on Twitter famously and said stuff like, um, polls are starting to look really bad for Obama. looks like he'll have to start a war, major conflict to win, don't put it past him, kind of a, a wag-the-dog situation. And the the idea about the birther movement has followed him to the current election, but it seems like when he said, well, this is what I did, I asked for the birth certificate and received it, it seems like they have quelled that or moved on to another controversy because things are popping up left and right. Uh, maybe that's a poor choice of words or maybe it's apt, but there are just so many controversies that it's difficult to keep track of. Uh, he also alleges that former Supreme Court Justice Scalia was murdered. Uh, and when, when I say alleges, he's just raising suspicions and this is something that a lot of people thought about you know you guys we we all talked about this off air mm -hmm. when uh Scalia passed away so yeah anytime the circumstances surrounding a death of a highly important person like Justice Scalia 
when the circumstances are a bit strange, even just kind of off being at a private hunting, what is it? A private hunting club out right. in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it just, it raises questions. And that's the kind of thing that Donald Trump is doing, I think, in general. Listen, man, when you have, when you go, when you hunt people on your private island, you know, someone's going to get hurt. You know, just usually it's the, the people that you've, uh, I wasn't, you know, was going to say the, captured. The, the poor people. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Ice tea. Yeah. From surviving the game. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Or, I, I mean, I think as long as you are hunting for sustenance, you know, if you're hunting for trophies, that's weird. You know, but hunt, if you, if you eat what you're hunting, oh boy, we already did a cannibalism episode. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm kidding and have never knowingly consumed human flesh. But if you want to hear, uh, Donald Trump's thoughts about, uh, Anton Scalia, you can go to, I think, is it Mike Savage's? Mm-hmm. show that he went on and he talked about this stuff. So I think he may have also either mentioned or appeared on uh, Alex Jones Infowars. Okay. Uh, so here's the big one that he said several times. It got a lot of public attention, and I'd like to hear what you guys think about this. Saying that the election is rigged. Remember how we mentioned uh, party officials in the GOP not being on board with a Trump presidency and in many cases going against the wishes of the Republican voting population, they were livid when they heard about this. So state-level secretaries in the Republican Party would say things like, well, just give us proof that you're saying this is rigged. Give us proof and let us know how we can improve the system instead of coming out and making allegations. Uh, he also said that there could be voter fraud occurring, right? Yes. He said that the Clinton campaign is planning massive voter fraud in, quote, certain areas. Um, and he's also calling on his supporters in a Keep lot of these, out. yeah, these areas to kind of function as vigilantes in a way, like monitor the election at polling places, Ooh. which is illegal depending yeah. on how they go about it. Yeah. And I mean, this is a, this is another thing about this candidate is his, a lot of his language is very divisive in that way, where he can kind of backtrack and say, well, I didn't exactly say that. Right. I said, you know, keep an eye out, but I didn't say go to the polling places. I, you know, mm-hmm. it was very, you know, it, it can be interpreted as marching orders for his followers, I see but then you can kind of go back and say, well, now I didn't exactly say that thing. It's right. up to them how they just, they choose to interpret the things that I say, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's something that's pretty unique about this particular candidate that we haven't really seen in other presidential candidates. That's true. And not to make this too much about the, uh, second Clinton campaign, but he did raise, he did raise, uh, pretty, pretty valid points about corruption in the DNC, uh, with the handling of the Bernie Sanders versus Clinton divide amongst the left-leaning voters and uh, the role of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, which did we discuss this in an earlier podcast? Are we sl- saving it for next week? No, we, we, we hit Debbie Wasserman Schultz pretty hard right before the stuff really hit the fan, oh, actually. Okay. Well, she will <laughs> be making a return appearance next week in our Clinton episode. So everyone who wants to tune in for that, uh, please do so. Also, the guy's got a point when it comes to electronic voting machines. Right? 
I mean, it's been seen in the past. There are several instances where some of the older models will be purchased by someone, uh, tinkered with in a very short amount of time and shown that, yes, you can absolutely rig this machine if you are alone with it for, you know, a couple of hours. You can set it up to spit out whatever results you want. And if you're interested in hearing some more about the facts, fiction, and controversy surrounding voting machines, please check out a recent episode of Tech Stuff with our buddy Jonathan Strickland and I, uh, where we discuss the history of voting machines, the problems with voting machines, and the ease with which results are skewed. Now, you know, the the one good thing is that voting machines aren't used across the United States in every county and every state. However, they are used in a lot of places, specifically in DeKalb County where I am, so yeehaw. That being said, though, they're, they are decentralized to the point where they're not on some sort of network where, you know, a single um, God view exists mm-hmm. where you could tamper with, you know, them in bulk. It would require an individual to do something to tamper with a single machine. So, I mean, the logistics to me of really legitimately, quote unquote, rigging an election, it really strikes me as a bit of a stretch. That's just me. I hear you. I see what you're saying. And, you know, most Americans nowadays have less and less faith in this sort of system. Right. You learn about the Electoral College, which is essentially a way of ensuring, well, preventing mob rule, but also a way of creating an opportunity for parties to ignore the people. Right. It's also a way of kind of neutering the voter as an individual. You know, I mean, like as far as taking away what we perceive as being this right one vote, you know, one individual, one vote. Mm -hmm. But it's really treated much more in like blocks, you know. Right. And do, do, you know, it calls into a question the, the system. I'm, I'm going to do a crass comparison here. So without questioning the system, especially in an era where a lot of people don't care for either candidate, particularly without, without questioning the system, we're not as a nation making the progress we could make because otherwise we're like people choosing between like, should I eat these nails or should I eat, uh, this this these glass shards and no one's like hey maybe we shouldn't eat either maybe we should eat something that's you know food uh so well i was watching pundits discuss the fact that donald trump is calling into question the system of our democracy itself and how we elect officials and he was defending it in a way that you would defend the flag uh or maybe the national anthem standing up in the national anthem how how people get so uh, emotionally distraught when something like that is called into question. And I really see that, Ben. I see, I see that that, that is a huge issue if we can't even critically think about something. Should there be, um, coalition governments, like the way some European nations handle it, you know, where they say, okay, 33% of people voted for party A, so there has to be a representative of that. 15% voted for B, you know, et cetera, until you hit a hundred percent. I, I do not know the answer. That and, sounds representative. And we have just touched on some of the theories surrounding this candidate. And again, to emphasize, uh, 
the GOP officials, Congress folks, governors, so on, large factions of them do not support this candidate, despite the fact that many of the voters they are representing have chosen this guy. Regardless of what you think, that is that is a fact. Is this a case of the people versus their own party or the party versus their own people? The controversy surrounding both of these candidates indicates a higher chance than usual of third parties garnering more votes, uh, specifically, of course, Gary Johnson, the Libertarian candidate and the Green Party candidate, Jill Stein. As of right now, which could change, you know, next week uh, at 538, the election forecast and statistics site run by uh, Nate Silver, you can see that they're they're predicting um Pretty high, pretty high numbers as far as, um, polling goes. Mm-hmm. But these numbers can, these numbers can change pretty rapidly. But Nate Silver has earned a reputation for having less inaccurate predictions. He's got the good algorithms, the best algorithms, Nate Silver. Right. Unbelievable. You won't <laughs> believe his algorithms. Uh, but, we hope that you have appreciated this episode and we hope that you will tune in for our next episode, uh, even closer to the election, wherein we cover the facts, fiction and controversy surrounding, uh, the other candidate or the other large candidate, yes. uh, Democratic nomination holder, Hillary Rodham Clinton. I wanted to talk to you guys really fast before we completely close. Sure. Yeah. And get to the skadoosh moment that we've all been waiting for. Uh, how, how do you guys think media coverage has played a role in, in this election and shaping how the candidates are? Because it, it occurs to me that if you want to rig an election rather than, you know, going through and actually physically rigging the electronic voting machines by doing all kinds of, uh, huge amounts of new voters coming in with registrations, all of the effort that takes. Couldn't you just somewhat control how the media covers your candidate? Well, I think that's opponent? exactly what Donald Trump is arguing. I think when he says that the, 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 the election is being rigged, I mean, he's so vague in the things that he says, but I think largely what he's pointing to is the fact that the media is choosing to, the media has turned on him. It seems like to in his him. opinion, in his opinion, they have gone from just reporting every inflammatory thing that he does or says to covering allegations that in his mind have not been proven. And he feels as though that is inherently bias, in my opinion, the way it seems from the way he's describing it mm-hmm. and is an attack directly on his candidacy that maybe has been manipulated or orchestrated in some way by his opponent. And in his mind, as it seems, there is some collusion going on between his opponent, Hillary Clinton and the quote unquote liberal media. Mm -hmm. The problem there to me though, is big part of Donald Trump's meteoric rise has been the fact that he got billions, I want to say, was the figure that I saw, in free advertising. Yes, just by going on shows. Just being by going on shows, being a ratings machine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like someone that, that, that these networks knew that if they did stories on him or whatever new thing he said, 
people were going to click on it. People were going to watch it. People were going to tune in because they wanted to see where it was going to go because it is so unprecedented. So to me, I think it sort of does not ring true. And it's sort of a hollow argument to say, oh, well, now the media is turning on me. You know, the very media that raised me up to my position of prominence here is now my enemy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, there's another thing here that people don't talk about as much as they should, which is that voter fraud, often presented as a boogeyman in recent times for various people, various agendas, doesn't seem to happen as easily as people may imagine. That'd be like voting multiple times, uh, dead people voting, this this kind of voter fraud? Right, and voting has been super dirty in American history for for a long time. So is it possible that elections are corrupt? Certainly. Oh, certainly. But to what degree and via what means? Uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the nature of the political system. Uh, we'd like to hear any other conspiracy theories that you think your uh, fellow listeners should know. And speaking of fellow listeners, it's that time again. Shout out corners. Before we get into the shout outs, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to our recent shout out corner skadoosh the episode. Um, you know, a lot of people look at those as being kind of like a throwaway clip show type episode. And we went to a lot of trouble to make sure that it wasn't. And uh, the listeners seemed to enjoy it. And the numbers reflected that. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Our first correspondence comes from Matthew from, quote, foggy London town, unquote. He sent us a long, thought-out response about our Great Game episode. That's going way back there, Matthew. Um, but we're going to boil it down to a few questions that he posed to us. He said, Why can't the American government and their counterparts in Moscow ever get along and work together like they, they had done with the success of ISS, the International Space Station, and joint space programs? Who made the decision to dislike Russia now and paint it as the evil boogeyman again? Is it good for business for both competing sides to be at loggerheads to fund this huge military industrial complex? Interesting to have that, uh, the opposing force that you must build up arms against, Matthew. That's a fascinating idea. Thank you, Matthew. Those are definitely some questions that we're going to continue to think about. And, you know, we'll see if it inspires us to look into it more in the future. Perhaps an update on the modern mm -hmm. great game. But yeah, excellent questions. Who's next? Uh, Vicky in Ohio sent us an email with a short list of possible topics, including CERN, shape-shifting, astral projection, ley lines, and straw man theory. I would love to cover shape-shifting, astral projections, and ley lines. Yeah. I think we all this caters to a lot of our individual favorites. Astral projection, is that going out of your body... In a trance, is that specific? Like Project Stargate. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's a bit of a difference, perhaps, between remote viewing and yeah. astral projection. Uh, people who believe in astral projection believe that some intangible form of the person, the spirit or the soul spirit or the consciousness, walking. yeah, escapes. And you can see various artistic interpretations. People often describe like a small uh, tendril of sorts connecting them Whoa. to their physical body. That stuff's interesting. So, yeah, if you want to hear more about any of those, you want us to do a, an episode, write to us and let us know. 
And one more. Uh, we have Sherrod in North Carolina. I uh, hope I am pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, wrote in to ask us the following things. During this election cycle, we've had several instances of, oh, here's the uh, finger quote effect. How is yeah. that? Thank you. Leaked documents and emails, and it seems as if most people are more interested in what they say instead of where they came from. Could there be a conspiracy going on that's meant to make us more comfortable with hacking? Is this campaign season all just one massive cover-up, leading us all into an age of non-existent privacy? It's a nice setup for uh, next week, huh? That's beautiful. Thank you, Sherrod. That is like... Just sending us right over the cliff into the next one. But did privacy ever exist? What is the nature of privacy? The concept of privacy really is um, much more recent than we would like to pretend at times. And also, we're facing maybe not the extinction of privacy, just growing inequality of privacy. I submit to you that privacy will be one of the new currencies or status symbols of the coming age. So we hope you enjoyed this, at least in some dark way, uh, this episode on Donald Trump. And next week, we're going to get into, like we said, Hillary Clinton. If you have any thoughts on anything that we've talked about, please come, uh, find us on Facebook or Twitter. We are Conspiracy Stuff on both of those. Uh, you can find us on Instagram now, Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't already watch our videos on YouTube, we spend a lot of time on them. We like them a lot. We think you will, too. Head on over to youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. And if you don't want to do any of those things and you just want to talk to us or send us a suggestion because our best ideas always come from you, write us an email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. 
I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.